We're going to be finishing up our sermon series called Influencers today, and we're going to be in John chapter 21. So if you have your Bibles and want to turn to that, that would be amazing. And we've been looking at some highlights through the life of a guy named Peter, who's one of Jesus' close, closest disciples. Um, and Peter becomes one of the most influential of Jesus' disciples of all time, and there's a reason for that, and we've talked about that. We've talked about his faithfulness. We've talked about him being available, being willing to do what God has called him to do, and, um, and we're going to finish that up today. The reason that Peter was so influential in life is because he was fully committed to following Jesus. And full commitment can look like different things in our life. Like sometimes I think we approach things, and I know I do. There's a particular idea, there's a thought that I have, you know, and I can be fully committed to that thing ideologically. Um, like it's good for me to eat healthy. It's good for me to be active, to exercise. Like I, I'm, I'm completely, fully committed to those ideas being the case. Now ask me how consistent I am with those things. It's a little bit different. And then, then you've got to ask, well, how fully committed am I really to that thing? Because I, I can have all kinds of great ideas. I, I got tons. You want opinions? I got See me afterwards. You ask me a question about anything, I got something for you. I'm going to give you an answer. Um, but that's a little bit different than being fully committed to those things, whether or not I'm putting them into practice. And so that's what we're going to be looking, like, looking at um, in the life of Peter and how we look when it comes to our full commitment to Jesus, what this actually, how this actually impacts our life. The first thing we're going to look at in John chapter 21, and this is kind of like a, a summary of the last few weeks as we've talked about Peter's life, is that the thing that Peter did more, more than anything else in his life that showed full commitment, all-in relationship with Jesus is that he obeyed what God commanded him to do. When Jesus told him to do something, he, he did those things. I mean, don't get me wrong. He got him wrong sometimes, and we know that. We've, we've talked about that over the last couple weeks. But ultimately, the thing that made Peter so influential with the gospel is that he just obeyed what God had told him to do. And as we get to John chapter 21, uh, Jesus had uh, a lot of his post-resurrection appearances had happened in Jerusalem. But at one point, he told his disciples, hey, go over to Galilee and wait, wait for me. Well, Why? Why, why do you want us to go to Galilee? Why can't we just stay here? What, well, nobody else is going to Galilee. Like, that's not a popular destination. I don't, I don't really want to go to Galilee. Like, I, I, don't, I don't see the point in doing that. There, there's kind of this process that we go through sometimes where we think that sometimes our thoughts and opinions actually matter on a topic. And Peter, like, he didn't go through that process. He just said, well, Jesus told me to go to Galilee. I'm going to be there. And it's the difference in our lives when it comes to obeying what God commands us to do between being where Jesus is and not being where Jesus is. I don't know why Jesus told the disciples to go to Galilee, but he did, and they did, and he showed up there. So we find the disciples out on a boat fishing. Now, some of you who were here a few weeks ago know that we kind of started off this sermon series with the disciples fishing. And in John chapter 21, verse 3, Peter tells, tells the disciples, I'm going out to fish. And they said, sure, we'll go too. So they went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, I'm not convinced the disciples were great fishermen. Um, this, is, this is like multiple times we found them. They're going out. You would think that they know what they're doing because this is their livelihood. Um, but Jesus, and I love this, Jesus shows up, verse 4, early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore, but disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. And he calls out to them, 
Friends, haven't you got any fish? I love that. Like you can tell there's a little, there's a dig in there. You know that, right? Like there's a little bit of that kind of, <laughs> he knows, Jesus knows the answer to the question. Of course they haven't caught any. You guys are terrible. Um, the cooler is empty. And so they say, no, no, we haven't, haven't caught any fish. And Jesus said, and this is probably the indicator for them of who this was yelling at them from the shore. He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Some of you remember, this is a, a repeat miracle that Jesus has with the disciples. And then the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, this is how he refers to himself as he writes this gospel, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter, Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he helped them bring in the net full of fish into the boat and they started rowing to the shore. No, <laughs> he wrapped his outer garment around him for he'd taken it off and jumped into the water. So they're 100 yards away, and Peter's like, I'm going to swim for it. That makes sense. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far, very far from the shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 but even with so many, the net was not torn. I, I just, I have this picture in my mind of Peter's like, oh, 100-yard swim, like this is great. And John and the other disciples are just kind of rowing, like pass them as they get there, and Peter, you know, gets there afterwards. The other thing, why 153 fish? Do you know why? Because they didn't count how many fish the first time. And so you know, John, because we don't know, like what was that first amazing catch of fish where it was almost tipping the, tipping the boat over and stuff? It was just a lot of fish. And you know how many times they told that story over three years or how, you know, however long it was, a couple years, they told this fish story. And you know the one question everybody wanted to know? How many fish were in the net? And the disciples were like, I don't know. <laughs> and so John, I'm sure he was like, guys, we got to count it this time. Like, this is, this is crazy. And they weren't just, you know, little bluegill or something like that. They were large fish. I'm sure they were this big. And then a few years later, they were this big. You know how, you know how that goes. More importantly, though, than how many fish, and then it was on this side of the boat or that side of the boat, or that it filled the nets, all that kind of stuff, why do you think Jesus chose to replicate this same miracle? I think that because of Jesus' resurrection and how much that had changed things, there's a reminder here for the disciples that, you know, um, now, now maybe because you have seen me alive after I died and because I've become this living sacrifice, maybe now you'll take what I've said to you in the past seriously. Like maybe, maybe now I've given you a reason to kind of fully commit. And this is what happens for the lives of the disciples. They do fully commit because Jesus resurrected from the dead. In Luke chapter 5, the first time that, that we talked about this in verses 10 and 11, Jesus says to Simon, the first time he does this, he says, don't be afraid from now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. And Jesus is kind of showing them, hey, there's, uh, I'm calling you when it comes to following me, I'm calling you to obedience. And let me just remind you of this miracle, miraculous catch of fish where I told you, like, this is good and that's great, like, taught you how to fish, you know, last year, lifetime, those kinds of things. Um, but Jesus, uh, the scope of, of God's vision for our lifetimes is far much more expansive. And Jesus is not just looking at, like, teaching a man to fish for a lifetime. He's, he's, uh, he's teaching us something about eternity. And that when it comes to the results of what we do in this life right now, it's not just about the here and now, but it's also about 
an entire, um, an entire existence with God that does not end. And so Jesus is reminding Peter that, hey, fishing, fishing is great, but I want you to keep on fishing for people. Like that's, that's the thing that matters, matters even more. And becoming a fisherman, and we, again, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's all, it's all what we've, all we've been called to be. Uh, it's, not, it's not all that difficult when it comes from our hearts. Um, I, I know that when we think about that, like, have you, ta- have you told somebody about Jesus today? It's like, well, that sounds really awkward and uncomfortable. And yeah, well, at work, you know, HR, and, you know, we have certain things. And I, I, I get all of that kind of stuff. But Peter had become so fully committed to who Jesus was that it changed everything about how he interacted with people and what he prioritized in his life and what he determined was, was most important in how he engaged with other people. And, and this, he knew at this point from these interactions with Jesus that this was, this was not about just this life and what we get out of it, but it was about eternity. And our job that God calls us to do, the obedience that he calls us into and in being fully committed to Jesus is to, is to cast the net, is to throw out the line, to, to think about how we interact with people and why we have relationships with people, uh, relationships with people a little bit differently. We're called to represent Jesus to other people. And we do that by living a life that matches our beliefs so that people understand what we have and want what we have because it's Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. And that's why the first step in being committed to Jesus is to obey what God has commanded us to do and recognizing that he's called us to live a life that is bigger than just ourselves. It comes with a different perspective. When we're fully committed, we're going to be obedient, but we also trust that it's more than about just us or what we can see, what we can determine what we think is going to happen. This is how obedience to God's commands becomes so powerful and influential in the lives of others. Man, there's so many times that I think we can come up to things, whether it's in Scripture or just in, in the way that um, God calls us to do things. I, I just don't understand why that's the case. Why would I need to do that? And I think questions are amazing. I think we should ask those questions, and we should do that within community. I think we should ask questions of the Bible 100% every time. At some point, though, we just got to trust that God knows better than us. Faith has to enter into the equation. And we're going to miss out on our commitment with Jesus and what it's meant to foster in our lives if we don't trust what God is calling us to do. Our obedience in this matters. Early in Peter's life, you know, he steps out of the boat and walks to Jesus and starts drowning. This time, he dives right in and swims to Jesus. And I think the reason that he does this, I think it's kind of silly, but I think the reason he's so excited is that he can't wait to see what Jesus is going to do next. Because he's trusting in what Jesus is calling him to do. He knows that it will just be better than he can possibly imagine. And he trusts without knowing what's going to happen next. And as a result, this impacts far more people in Peter's life than he could have ever done on his own. Jesus, I don't, excuse me, Peter, I don't think expected at all the conversation that he was going to end up having with Jesus because he gets to shore, everybody else gets there, they have, they have some, they have some dinner, and when they finished eating in verse 15, Jesus says to Simon Peter, hey, let's, let's, have a, let's have a heart-to-heart. So he starts talking to him. And he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter's like, well, yeah, of course. I'm better than all of these other disciples. Of course I know them. I, I love you. 
That's Peter for you. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time. Um, Peter was hurt probably not because he didn't think that Jesus believed him, but probably because he remembered that he denied Jesus three times after he said that he would never, never do that. There's this interaction that Jesus has with Peter here where there's a point in time in his life where Jesus did, when Peter did not trust Jesus. You know, where people tried to associate Peter with Jesus and he said, absolutely not. Like, I, I don't know the man. Like, I'm, I'm separate from him because Jesus was on trial. He's about to be executed. And Peter didn't want to be connected to that because he's worried about saving himself. And yet Jesus was calling him to something much greater. And so Jesus asked him a, a third time, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. There's a couple things happening here. One, this is an opportunity for re redemption. God offers a second chance. He says, Tr trust me. Like I, the grace and mercy and love that I want to show you, like let me give you that opportunity, but we got to work through these things and you got... <laughs> It, you, you know, you got to obey, but you you got to trust me through this as well. And, and that this is now going to be bigger than just you. And here's why I think Jesus does this with Peter and why he does this with us too. Um, left to fend for ourselves, most people become more self-absorbed with their redemption when they've harmed a relationship. So what we typically do, let's say we've, we've offended somebody or like I've hurt, hurt a friend or I've said something rude to my spouse, what do I do? Let me make it up to you. Let me do something to you. You know, let me make you feel better. All of those kinds of things. We try to control, you know, the result of that relationship. That never works out the way that we quite want it to. Because the person looking at us is saying, oh, well, you're just, you're just wanting to like convince me that things are better than they really are. What, what really makes a difference in somebody's life is when we live that out much more comprehensively in our life. When we start to see a change in somebody that's not just directed toward us, when we're the one who's been offended or hurt or whatever the case may be, then that's when it actually makes a difference. That's when we can see the change in other people. And the message from Jesus is quite clear. If you, if you want to follow me, if you want to be fully committed to me, then you need to show that in how you live among other people. Take care of my sheep. Jesus isn't talking about literal sheep, even though I know many of us would be tempted to replace real humans with animals, right? Because animals are a lot less messy. We don't have to worry. You know, just imagine if everybody were dogs and cats. They'd be so much easier in our life, less messy, emotionally and spiritually, anyway. We need to take a genuine interest in others. This is what it looks like to be fully committed uh, to, to Jesus and serving and loving others along with sharing our faith. Because Jesus is the good shepherd and all, he wants all to be able to recognize his voice. When we're committed and fully committed to being a disciple of Jesus, we obey what God commands us to do. We trust in the outcome that God's desire, God desires. And the last thing um, that we do, or one of the main things that we do, is that we stay the course when the going gets tough. Most of, life, most of the time when you tell the story of Peter, we end you know, with this idea of feeding the sheep. But there's a twist as Jesus continues to talk to Peter in John chapter 21, verses 18 through 19, he says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go.
Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. So in all of this conversation, all of this discussion about what Peter's going to do, I mean, Jesus kind of comes to this point and says, hey, this might not end, out, end up the way that you want it to be. But there's no, bow, no doubt at all that Peter made a tremendous influence in this world. And it's because he lived a self-sacrificial life that was fully devoted and committed to Jesus. He was in prison, he was beaten, he was ridiculed, he was rejected by his countrymen, he was eventually killed. You know, Revelation chapter 2 verse 10 tells us the perspective that we're supposed to have in our full commitment to Jesus. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. When we're fully committed, when we're fully committed to God, it, it's going to involve letting some things go. When we're fully obedient, we're fully trusting in who God has called us to be, it might, it might be involved letting go of things but maintaining your integrity. It might mean missing out on some of the world's pleasures but knowing all along that pleasing God is your passion in life and that brings the most pleasure. It might mean fully committing to Christ. It might mean that you struggle in life. It could be financially, it could be physically, it could be relationally, whatever the case may be. But we continue to work as though we're doing so for God and trusting that he will provide. Or all the while we remember that there's something better to come. And when we are consistent in fully committing and following Jesus, not only, not only is life better in the long run and God receives the glory, but it changes the lives of the people around us. Jesus doesn't promise us an easy road, but he does promise to be with us through it all, to provide for us. And in the end, we're not left empty-handed when we commit ourselves to the direction he gives us. Man, maybe you've been casting the net on this side of the boat, and all the while, you know, God's been saying, now you need to go this direction. He promises that there's going to be greater joy in self-sacrifice than in self-preservation. And I think that's why Jesus sums all of these things up with two words at the end of this passage, the last part of verse chapter 19, when he just says to Peter, follow me. Just follow me. That's going to, that's going to take care of everything else. Just follow me. This is the second time, again, Jesus is repeating these words to, to Peter where he started off at the beginning. Just follow me. Be consistent. Here's the redo. Here's the second chance, the opportunity to see fully who Jesus is and what he's done and to be all in. When we think about Peter, the disciples, the early church, and what they suffered and how it completely changed the scope of human history, it was full commitment in just following Jesus no matter what might be happening that has changed all of those things. Being fully committed to Jesus means obeying what God commands us to do, trusting that it's more, about us, more than just about us or what we can see, and staying the course when the going gets tough. That's what it looks like to have real lasting influence in the lives of people. We're not here just for the flash in the pan, just for the moment. We're here for the long, for the long run. And our lives will count when we treat our influence that we have with people like this for something greater than just ourselves for far, far longer than we will know. Fully committing to Jesus means a life of influence that when we stand before God and hear him say, well done, it's not because we're looking back on life and saying, yes, I made it, like I'm in, but looking forward to eternity and thinking, all right, we're here together, and there's nothing that we can influence people toward that matters more. 
So I want to I want to encourage you to consider this week what it looks like to be fully committed to being a disciple of Jesus. What what are the things that God is calling you to do? The obedience, the trust, um, the ways in which He's calling us to focus on serving and loving other people, sharing what it looks like to follow Christ with our words and our lives, and how that is not meant just for an impact for this week, but for an entire eternity. May we be, be the kind of church where uh, people will see people fully committed to love and grace and mercy uh, that God draws us to through his son, Jesus. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for moments uh, for us to uh, stop, read your word, and consider the lives of your followers as an example for how we are called to live with you. God, give us the uh, boldness of Peter, the commitment that he models for us so that we can uh, live lives that have an impact for an eternity. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.